Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Here's someone that's connected to me that I'm I'm putting in your life. And I think that's important. For those of us that want to serve the Lord, those of us that want to go far in, in the Lord, make sure that you get connected to people that are connected to the Lord. I want to have good relationships with people that are in relationship with God. I want men that are praying, men that are in the word, men that know, I want those guys to be guys that are talking to me. That when I'm worried about stuff, when I'm going through things, those are the guys I want to reach out to and say, hey, this is what I got going on. What do you think? Do you have someone in your life that you can turn to for spiritual guidance and support? In today's message, Pastor Bill will look at the role which Samuel played in the life of Saul. The Lord created us to be in fellowship with one another. He wants us to bear each other's burdens and encourage one another through His Word. This life is not to be lived alone. How might God be preparing you to minister to someone in your life? There are many needs, and He wants to meet them through His people. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I look at where they're at and I just think God should spank them and tell them no. And God's like, no, they want a king. They can have a king. It's all right. No biggie. And he's going to give them what they want. They're going to be sorry that they got a king. Uh, it'll never be as good as it's been before. They're, they're, it'll never be the same for Israel after this point. Because they've had a theocracy, a God-ruled nation. And now from this point on, they're going to be men that rule them. And the best of men we're going to find to be flawed and imperfect. If you ever go through the book of Kings... Um, There's so few good kings and the good kings are bad. Right. The best king, we would say probably David. Right. He he did some bad stuff. He was a naughty guy. He did. He he broke some rules. The best of what they get in kings is going to pale in comparison to what they had when the Lord was leading them. Look at verse 17 and 18 now. Now, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, please tell me, where is this seer's house? And so as soon as Samuel saw Saul, God said, there he is. That's the one I was telling you about. Again, I'm hearing this sweet intimacy between Samuel and the Lord. God was talking to him in his ear. Now he looks and sees Saul and God's in his ear again. That's him. That's the guy I'm telling you about. And so um, Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and he asked him, where is the seer's house? Verse 19, Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place for you shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. Listen to that. He says, um, now this is an honor. This is an honoring thing, right? You found the man of God, the seer. He said, look, go up ahead of me. Today you're going to eat with me. That's a big deal. The honor that Saul is getting. He doesn't know why he's being honored in this way. And then he tells him this. And I like that. He says, go up and eat. I'll let you go tomorrow. He said, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. That Samuel's going to let Saul know. Samuel's going to reveal to him what's in his heart. I want to say this about a real prophetic word real quick. Um, when I've had a genuine, legitimate prophetic word, a lot of times it's, it's speaking to something that God's already doing. Uh, I rarely have received a prophetic word that was foreign, completely foreign. I, I can think of one that was foreign, but it was legit. 
But usually when I'm receiving some kind of prophetic word, it's it's as soon as I hear it, the, the way I'm able to like line up that this is from God. I'm like, wow, how could you have known that you, this? I can receive what you said because you couldn't have known. This is something that was in my heart. These are things I haven't uttered. I haven't spoken. But you're speaking to me about what was happening in my heart. There was a time I was um, when I was at my old church and I hadn't committed to stay there. I thought I was only going to go there for to go to Bible college and leave to plant a church. This is way back in 98, 99. And I went to Bible college, 99, 2000. And I had went on a mission trip and one of the pastors asked me to pray about serving. And I, I was reluctant because I'm like, no, nah, I'm not really going to be here. I'm just passing through here. I'm just here while I go to Bible college is what I thought. And I went to a prayer meeting at, at a Sunday night prayer meeting and imagine a big room. There's people spread all over the room praying. I'm I'm on the side somewhere and I'm not praying out loud. I'm just bowed my head. The guy is playing worship in a dim room and I'm just praying in my head and I'm saying, God, this guy is asking me to pray about serving this ministry. I believe you called me to do this over here. I just want to know what you want me to do. I, I, whatever you want me to do to so make that clear to me so I can do it. That's what I'm praying in my mind. A woman comes over to me and taps me and spooks me. I'm like, oh, you know, I look up and she says, God told me to tell you. Now, I'll never forget this. He says he has a work for you here now. He has a work for you beyond here later. But right now you're supposed to settle down and be at home. And it was the closest thing I ever had to God audibly speaking, because it was like you could you could not have known that I just was talking to God about which one of these things do you want me to do. And she came and it was like, boom, spot on. I didn't question her. I didn't say, well, how do I know it's from God? I was like, boom, that's from God. I receive it. I'm going to be here. I, told, I went home and told my wife, we're going to move. We were still living in Inglewood. We moved to Downey. I'm like, we're going to be here for a while. And uh, we moved. And by the time we were, I think by the time we got our house or right before we got a house, I was on staff there, ended up being there for 10 years. And so my point is a lot of times uh, when it's a legitimate prophetic word is because God knows what's in here already. And um, it's not foreign. God's going to, you know, through Samuel, he's letting Samuel know what's already in Saul's heart. And he's going to talk to him about it. Verse 21 now says, and listen to Saul's response to all of this. He knows he's being honored. The man of God is speaking well to him and he's getting to go up ahead of him to go eat. But listen to what he says about himself in verse 21. Humility. And Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family is the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak to me or speak like this to me? Saul says, well, hold on, bro. Why, why are you talking to me like this? I'm, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. We're the, the least of the tribes and my family is the least of the families in the tribe. He's like, we're in, we're, I'm from the weakest family in the weakest tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? And I want to show you guys something. If you're a note taker, write down or, or turn with me. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I just want to read a couple verses there with you real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read 27 to 29. When you get it, say, got it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to read 27 to 29. You guys got it? It says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are 
that no flesh should glory in his presence. And so here, you know, as we got God, like, God, why would you pick a guy from the weakest family and the weakest tribe? Oftentimes, God chooses the weak things of this world um, that he might get all the glory, that no flesh would glory in his presence, that when Saul is raised up, it would have to be God's hand upon his life. We're going to see as we continue in the next couple of weeks that it's going to be um, the thing that makes Saul uh, usable is the spirit of God comes upon him and, and turns him into a different man. And so here's what we can take away from that. Right. Because in the world, you got to qualify. You got to be the best at this. You got to the world's measurements are different than God's. God will take the worst and the weakest that will yield to him. And so if God calls you to do something, you don't measure yourself by other people. You don't have to measure up to other people. All you got to do is be faithful to the Lord and let him take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. God said, look, I, I make a habit of choosing the weak. Why did God chose Moses to be a spokesperson when he knew Moses had a speech impediment? Because God said, I'm going to get the glory out of this. Why did the person that defeated Goliath, why did God pick a little boy? Not even a young man, a little boy, a young fella went out there and took because God would get all the glory, man, that this young guy, not even a warrior, went out there and, 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 and just bold and courageous in the spirit of God. And he took out um, he took out Goliath. Oftentimes, that's what God would do when God raised up his disciples. Right. Why did he pick eloquent, well-spoken men? Because they would have they would have took credit. They would have said, you know, I've been a, I've been to school for that. You know, I've been speaking this way my whole life, you know. And so he picked he picked fishermen. He picked dudes that had a rough speech. And, you know, guys are looking at them and saying, well, man, they, they don't speak very well. But I can tell they've been with Jesus, you know, and that's all that they, that was enough that they've been with Jesus. Not to, it doesn't it's not a knock against education, but it's just saying that God is able to pick people apart from worldly criteria that you don't you don't have to come with all of that you got what you do need is the spirit of God you do need um, God's power upon your life God is able to be glorified as he picks the weak uh, he chooses the weak he, choo he chooses those that apart from me you couldn't have done it but it's, it's me upon your life it's, it's, it's because of me in your life that this was able to be accomplished and so here we got Saul in one sense man's opinion man's look Saul Saul had externally Good looking, tall, all these different things. But he says his own estimation of himself was, hey, man, I'm, I'm from the weakest tribe and I'm, we're the weakest family in the weakest tribe. How come I get to be? How come you're, you're talking like this to me? And the bottom line is because God chose him and God's going to use him. And I, I want to encourage you guys because sometimes I think not even sometimes. I think most of the time God calls us to do things that are out of our our, our own strength out of our own ability because he wants to get the glory. God wants us to exercise faith. He wants us to trust him. Um, usually the things that God's going to do, that God's going to blow you away in your life. God's going to call you out of your comfort. He's going to make you uncomfortable. He's going to make you trust him for things. God's going to call you to, to do things. You're like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't, I can't do this without God's help. God says, yes, that's what I want. I want you to seek me. I want, I want my strength to be made perfect in you. I want to get the glory from it. Here's the thing. Remember what he said in first Corinthians one, he says that no flesh would glory in my presence. That's why I picked the weak because they'll know that it was me. They won't take all the credit. And um, when you know that you're weak and God does something amazing, you give God the glory. Amen. You, you know, it wasn't you. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be careful to give God the glory because apart from him, I can do nothing. Moving on. Look at verse 22. Now, Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall 
and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. And there were about 30 persons. And so, uh, again, I want you to imagine Saul is this young man, this man of God, Samuel, that he's heard about honorable and all this kind of stuff. They get to where he is. Samuel's absolutely a big deal. Samuel has Saul go up ahead of him and he seats him in the place of honor among all these invited guests that are there. And so there's like this event going on. And Saul is like, he's just, he just happened upon this. Um, this is his day. God is, God is picking him today. Verse 23. And Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. So Samuel is letting Saul know, I knew you were coming. This event is planned for you. And I even had the cook set aside a portion of meat just for you. And he has the cook to bring it down. Verse 24. So the cook took up the, the thigh with his upper part. This is chicken or whatever, whatever they were eating. No, just, he brings up the thigh with the upper part. It's not chicken. I'm joking. Uh, with the upper part. He said it before Saul and Samuel said, here is what was kept back. It was set apart for you. Eat for until this time, it has been kept for you since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel on that day. And so God brings these two together. This is going to be important, too, because as God's raising up a leader in Saul, which is what he's going to do, God's connecting him with his already established leader, which is Samuel. And God often does that, right? God will take one leader and, and connect them to someone else. I look at Elisha and Elijah and how, you know, God brought them together. And as, as one was taken off, the other received a, a double portion of his spirit. Paul had Timothy, Jesus had disciples, you know? Um, and so Samuel is going to be a part of Saul's life, his whole life, even when he starts to mess up. Sam is going to be the one that confront him. Sam is going to be the one that anoints him, that instructs him later on, that corrects him and rebukes him. But God is established in Saul's life right out the front. And hey, here's 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 someone that's connected to me that I'm, I'm putting in your life. And I think that's important for those of us that want to serve the Lord. Those of us that want to go far in, in the Lord. Make sure that you get connected to people that are connected to the Lord. I want to have good relationships with people that are in relationship with God. I want men that are praying, men that are in the word, men that know that I want those guys to be guys that are talking to me, that when I'm worried about stuff, when I'm going through things, those are the guys I want to reach out to and say, hey, this is what I got going on. What do you think? You know, and God has blessed me with I got a, I got a, a group of guys and they're all kind of different. I got some guys that have spanked me. I got some guys that are all gentle and nice. I got some guys that are, you know, wise and prophetic. But God has given me guys in my life that I know love the Lord and I know they love me. And I'm grateful for those relationships and friendships. And so God is connected here. Samuel with Saul and Saul with Samuel. And so they ate together that day. Verse 25. When they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on top of the house. Then they arose and it was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on top of the house saying, get up that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. And I just want to point this out that all this has transpired. Samuel's been honored. I mean, Saul has been honored. They, he's got to eat with Samuel. Um, he's been told tomorrow I'm going to let you know all this in your heart. But he gets all this happening. But what was he on the way to do when all this happened? Find his dad's sheep, but not, not, not find his dad's donkeys, right? And I saw this correlation because there are other people that when God found them, they were just doing a, a, a pretty menial job, right? When God found Moses, what was Moses doing? 
tending him. We was watching his dad and father-in-law watching Jephro's sheep and God called him. What was David doing? Watching daddy's sheep, right? And you, you see this trend, right? What was Peter doing when God said, I'm going to call this guy fishing, right? What was James and John doing? Fishing. Here's the thing, right? They were faithfully doing something and God called them. Even those that were doing the wrong thing were doing something. What was Matthew doing? Tax collecting, robbing fools, taking, people, taking people's money. I, I keep thinking, who did God call that was doing nothing? Who did God call that was doing nothing? God called Saul, who becomes Paul. What was he doing? Persecuting the church. God called him. But he was doing something. There was an act. There's, there's just, a, to me, a correlation there that they're, they're, these people are doing something. And God's like, I'm going I'm to give some direction to what they're doing. Even sometimes people are doing the wrong thing. And God's like, I give direction to that. When they come to me, right? Peter and John, they were fishing. Nothing wrong with fishing. But he said, I'm going to make you, Peter, a fisher of men. Right. You're going to you're going to I'm going to take what you're doing, you know, casting a lot. I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to give divine purpose to this thing that you're you're doing for Saul, who's going after dad's donkeys, just a just doing a menial thing. God gives him something of 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 far greater significance. He's going to be the king of Israel to lead the people um, if, if he would have if he would, you know, he'll, he'll do OK for a little bit. Then it's going to all go downhill. So I, I wish I didn't know the whole thing because it's hard to preach like the beginning where it's like, oh, it's all all nice now. But it, it just I just know he's a jerk. So it's not going to last long. So I, I don't want to set y'all up for disappointment later. So but what we can take from this right wherever God has you right now. Uh, wherever God has you, I would encourage you to be faithful where God has you. Whatever he's put in your hand, do that. Whatever God put in your hand today, do that. I was thinking of this um, with the reading when, when Moses was like, God, I can't go before the people. God said, what's in your hand? And he's had a rod. God said, throw it down. And I'm, I just, God said, what, what do you have with you right now? What's in your hand? Got a rod. Throw that down. That's, that's, that's going to be what we begin to use. Um, I'll use what you got right now. And so often we're looking for God to do something miraculous to, you know, do explosions and do big things. And God's like, what are you doing right now, son, daughter? Faithfulness right where you're at. Just be faithful where you're at. God's where you're at right now, too. Remember that. If you're not where you want to be, but where you are right now as a child of God, God's there with you. He's in you and he's with you right where you're at. You be faithful where you're at and see where God wants to take you from here. Here's the thing that's consistent with the Lord. God blesses faithfulness. Faithfulness is the commodity of the kingdom of God. Faithfulness is what God rewards. That's it. Faithfulness. Not how well you are, not giftedness, not talentedness, faithfulness. And the cool thing about faithfulness is everybody can be faithful, right? Everybody can't be talented and everybody can't be gifted, but everybody can be faithful, and that's what God honors and that's what God blesses. So let's be faithful with whatever it is God has given for us to do right now. Amen. And then last verse 27, it says, as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of God. And so Samuel tells Saul, stand here, send your servant up ahead that we're going to have a private conversation. This is going to be between me and you. And he wants to now announce to him the word of God. I'm going to stop there. But just, you know, if you want to read ahead, this is where Samuel will in just a moment. He's going to anoint him. He's going to tell him what God has said. A couple of things I want to 
challenge slash encourage us with from from this here today. Even though Saul doesn't end well, that's not God's fault, right? That's that's a, that's the issue with Saul. God gave Saul a sweet beginning. He chose him. He connected him with a solid leader. And God's going to give Saul instructions what to do. I would say to everyone here that how we begin is on us. How we're doing in the middle is on us and how we finish is on us. Everybody can be faithful. Everybody can finish well, but not everybody does. And so I was reading this earlier and I was thinking through like, man, there's there's people that come to mind right away in the scripture when I think of people that didn't that didn't finish well. Right. There are many people that seem like man, they had this awesome start, but they don't finish well. Saul is one of those. Saul has the worst ending ever. Another one would be King Asa for you guys that, that are familiar with him in Second Chronicles um, 13, 14, 15. King Asa, in the beginning of his reign, he was just man of faith, trusting God, praying big prayers, obedient, putting out people that were doing wrong stuff. I mean, he was he did a great job in the beginning and then he got comfortable and he got wealthy and he stopped trusting God. And he started to try to be self-sufficient that instead of prayer, he would go into the treasury and take God's money and try to fix things on his own. And then later in life, says he got sick with a disease in his foot. He was so far removed from the Lord that he didn't even think to pray. Two years he was sick with this foot disease. And the inference in the scripture is had he prayed, God would have heard him, but he didn't even pray. So he died of a foot disease. And it just ends really poorly, the end of his life. Uh, God sends prophets to speak to him. He doesn't want to hear him. Another guy that doesn't finish well. And um, there's this video I used to have on my computer and it was a, a, a cycling race. And so there's if you guys have watched a cycling race uh, at the last stretch of the cycling race. There's a guy that's way up in the front. He is obviously the winner of the race. Everybody is far behind him. And so as he comes into the final stretch, a lot of times these guys on bikes, they, they can ride with no hands. So he's raising up his hands in victory as he comes down the final stretch. Well, on the way down the final stretch with his hands raised in victory, the bike goes whoop, 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 and he falls. The guy that's been trailing him second all this time books it and, and, and comes across first. And, and you can see in the video the I mean, I want you to think of the humiliation of this guy who had won. I mean, you, you've been they've been going for miles. He's been winning for miles. And at the very end, because he celebrated too soon, he doesn't finish well. He has a poor ending to me. I think it's important that I, I want to. Everybody's beginning is good, right? We starting off with the Lord. That's going to be good. I want to finish well. I want to have a I want to have a solid finish. And so if you're taking those last verse, we're going to close with this verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. We'll close with this. Acts 20, 24, the Apostle Paul speaking. He said this um, after talking about, you know, the tribulations that await him and the chains and tribulations, all the things that were coming to him at that time. He said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says he was hearing all kind of bad news. Paul, everywhere you go, chains and tribulations await you. It's going to be bad. He says, so what? None of these things move me. And nor do I count my life as dear to myself. I've given my life to Christ. 
so that I may finish my race with joy. Paul had a, a, the finish in mind. And I just would encourage you guys that wherever part of the journey you're on, keep the finish in mind. Keep, keep in mind, God, I want to finish well. I want to end well. Whenever I end, however the end comes, I want to finish well what God has given me to do. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day. But we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals, and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word, and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.